guest today is the Chief Energy Officer of The Cheerful Mind, Inc., a personal empowerment and lifestyle brand that is committed to cultivating real confidence and success through productivity, passion, and play. As a get-it-done guru, she has a superpower for creating customized solutions to help people and organizations focus on what truly matters. She's the founder of Cheerful Mind Media, as well as the Accountability Success Circle, a community in which she teaches tools and techniques for having more fun while getting stuff done and living a life driven by personal values. She's been featured in many media outlets, including Forbes, Business Insider, Real Simple Magazine, Today.com, and Health Magazine. My guest is April Zarati Schluter. I'm Aiden Nepom, and this is The Changed Podcast. Hi, April. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited for this conversation. <laughs> I'm really excited for this conversation. Um, I see you've got your instruments behind you, which is fairly exciting. <laughs> yes. <laughs> ukulele one and ukulele two. The the second one came in as a, a COVID for a 40th birthday present. <laughs> Very nice. So, uh, so are those their official names or do they have, like, I have a guitar named Mariposa. Do you have secret names? No, for I don't have names. There's just the purple one and the, the normal looking one <laughs> right now. <laughs> but um, when I started, I got the, the, the little purple one because I love the color purple. If you, you'll, you'll get to see in little bits and pieces of my room. But uh, <laughs> um I, I had that one as a as a last ditch effort to try to learn a stringed instrument because I tried to get a guitar many years ago and it broke its first string about a month ago. <laughs> oh and wow! Unplayed. So um, I said maybe something smaller. And now I can't even imagine getting a guitar because I'm just I'm small and I guess I just need small things sometimes. So uh, <laughs> uh, well, tell me it. a little bit about uh, tell me a little bit about what you do. What do I do? What do I not do is sometimes the question <laughs> that I have to respond with because there's so much that I've done in my life. And, um, but really what it's all about is, um, you know, five years ago, I made a decision that my dream job would be to help people streamline their lives in a way that would give them more time to have more fun to, to make time for all the vacations and socializing because that's kind of what we live for. Right. Mm -hmm. um, but we kind of mm -hmm. have to do the adulting and um, you know, some of it could be fun. Some of it is just, you know, the badge of honor you wear as an adult. And I want to help people get through all that stuff in a way that's efficient so that they have time to really live life. And um, that has kind of, put me on this journey to run the business that I run. And I just love helping people just live lives that are happy and positive and um, do fun things. So I definitely do that in my own life. And then I teach others to do that as well. And the ukulele is part of your own joy. Absolutely. You know, so yeah. I started taking lessons about a year and it was like last May, May, 2019, um, I've stopped taking lessons as you'll see, I'm a serial hobbyist, but uh, um, I just recently stopped taking them, but I still am finding time to go outside near our, in our patio and play songs 
at random because I got to that point where I can just read chords now. So I'm like, yay. So it is definitely one of the things that I'm trying to make more time for. So. Would it be weird to ask for a demo? Oh my gosh. Should I? I might have to. Would that be okay? Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's see. I would love what, it. I'm like, what song could I do? Hold on. Let me think about it. Let me okay. Grab it. <laughs> tuned enough right sounds good to me <laughs> okay so like watermelon sugar by uh harry styles do you know that song yeah awesome uh <laughs> tastes like strawberries on a summer evening and it sounds just like a song <laughs> i forgot the words <laughs> i don't know the words again it's so wonderful me in, breathe me out. I don't know what I'll ever know without. I'll just go back into the, the chorus. Watermelon sugar, high. Watermelon sugar, high. Watermelon sugar, high. Watermelon sugar, high. There we go. I love <laughs> it. Like, put it on the spot. It's probably singing so off key and could not. Uh, um, not strumming in the way that I would want to, but well, okay. I love you being game for just being like, yeah, I didn't plan for this, but let me grab my ukulele and see what happens. So, and now I'm all sweaty. <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. That it's was all fun. good. It's all good. Um, Yay. well, so that was kind of a left hook. I just was like, here you go. Um, I don't know if left hook's the right <laughs> word, but word. um, but how do you generally speaking, how do you? approach uh that sort of spontaneity or uh these sort of moments of like shift adjust uh or even bigger moments of yeah and so this is really funny because i am a perfectionist by nature recovering perfectionist i Uh think i make uh a lot more mistakes now and i embrace them Uh um one of the ways that in in recent years that i was able to kind of qualm the 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 desire to always be perfect is improv. I think I saw that you did improv as well, right? Yeah. It's amazing how many people that I've talked to um, have some improv training in their background. And I think there's good reason for it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think one of the things that I did improv for was to help improve my public speaking because of the fact that I want to be very rehearsed. I want to know exactly what I'm going to say so I can speak with confidence, but that takes so long. (laughs) It takes so (laughs) long to practice. And, you know, now I'm, you know, putting together presentations like 30 minutes before I'm supposed to do it, which is maybe not ideal, but I've been (laughs) able to embrace that last minute. You know, I know what I need to do. I just, I think I stumbled a lot on the ums and what ifs and improv was something that allowed me to think more quickly on my feet and mm-hmm. to make stuff up and still appear confident, even though I don't know what the heck I'm talking about, um, <laughs> at least to to some extent, but also just play off those mistakes that I see as yeah. mistakes um, with a little bit more grace and ease. And uh, that has been such a wonderful tool to add to my tool belt. And I also just really believe that improv gives you the, this really great life lessons toolkit um, to just deal with all the things that you don't learn in school. 
So I always highly yeah. recommend every adult. I want my, I had my son take an improv class from one of my friends um, oh, nice. and it was super fun. And I said, you have to take more when we can be in person <laughs> again with other people. <laughs> An artist friend of mine, uh, Holland, has put out, or she put out several years ago, a campaign with a lot of um, improvisers, like very serious photos. Um, I used one of my business headshots, and mm-hmm. then she put like a solid background behind it, and just these words: "I have no idea what I'm doing." Yeah. And it was such an amazing campaign uh, that I, for briefly, I used it as a marketing piece I was like I have no idea what I'm doing and so can you Um, (laughs) because the truth is um, so many people are put into situations where they have to know what they're doing when they don't know what they're doing so we're all improvising whether we like it or not you might as well develop the skill set that helps you feel competent in and confident in the face of the unknown absolutely I totally agree and it's just, it's just an easier way to live. Not having that stress and pressure is key. <laughs> yeah. Well, speaking of stress, stress and pressure, uh, stress <laughs> and pressure. Um, speaking of stress and pressure, how do you feel, um, generally speaking, you handle change maybe prior to taking those improv classes versus now, um, those big moments in life, those pivots and shifts, even the simplicity of moving furniture. Yeah, I think a lot of my stress used to be very everything needed to be in its place, almost to OCD mm-hmm. level. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if I forgot something, I'd beat myself up over it over and over and over again. Doing improv and also just training to become a coach has really shifted my my stress levels because it's just you start to realize that, you know... You, it's really not that big of a deal. It's like that book, Don't Sweat the Small Stuff, and it's all small stuff. I still have yeah, it Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. Really, all of this stuff just doesn't matter. <laughs> and, you know, you don't have to have put your your toiletries in, in groups of five and just, it's fine. You're not going to use them all anyway. It's just, it's funny. <laughs> the things that I used to obsess over. So there was a speaker that came to my college and I have no idea what his name was. He was completely um, bonkers. <laughs> he was trying to promote this message of don't sweat the small stuff to help us think about like where to put our focus. Mm-hmm. And the intent was really good. But he brought in literally a sack of potatoes and mm-hmm. he was like, it's all a sack of potato, like the small stuff. That's all a sack of potatoes and Mm -hmm. you can carry a sack of potatoes around and it's really heavy and cumbersome and annoying, or you can just let it go. It's just a sack of potatoes. And he (laughs) brought a sack of, it was like, he was right. There was nothing wrong about what he was saying. It's just, he brought a sack of potatoes with him. And I thought the irony of him saying like, you don't need, or you could just let the sack of potatoes go. And I'm like, but you, sir, are carrying a sack of potatoes from place to place (laughs) to deliver this message about your sack of potatoes. Um, All of that is to say, (laughs) yeah, it's a continuing practice, isn't it? Absolutely. 100%. You just, that's, I feel like that's my life journey and I don't know if it's going to end until I die. So, (laughs) and that's okay. Yeah. I think that people who think somehow the journey ends, like there's a finish line and you cross it and you're like, I did it. I made it to success or I lost the weight or uh, I got a haircut. 
And then they think that that's just going to last forever. They're kidding themselves. You're going to have to get another haircut. You're probably going to have another career change. You might, your business that was successful might fail. You might have to start over again. All kinds of things, unknowns. Yeah. It's just like a zero inbox that never, that never stays zero. Cause right. the second you clear it, another email comes in. You just, you know, if you're not getting emails, then you might as well not be alive. So. Right. It's part of how we function. Sure. Absolutely. absolutely. So, um, well, so you help people focus on what matters. What are the, some of the ways that you help people do that? The one main soul thing that drives everything in my life now before I knew what this was and how I kind of teach people to focus on what matters is to have, you know, your own foundational values. So I have basically over the last course of the last five years have really tried to identify what my values are. And just last year I got them tattooed on my arms. So you might be able to see them. Um, What are they? uh, Fun and accomplishment and connection and authenticity are my values. So having awareness of what your values are really helps speed everything up, right? Because when you have to make a decision, um, sometimes you're not really sure, but if you know what your values are, then it makes that decision a lot easier for you. And then also on that, it really helps you connect with others, which is something that all of us as humans crave. So if you have, if you know what your values are and you're able to display those in a way, you will be able to find your people based on those aligned values. So I really try to push to make sure that people understand what it is that they value most. And once we know what those are and they can, you know, you'll, you'll probably have a top core three to five values and you might have other values that are also important. You know, family is a a huge value of mine. I don't have that tattooed on my arm, but that's kind of implied among the other values that I have. Um, But just having that source of values is super, super huge in just being able to live a life that is successful and by success, meaning determined by you and not what society deems as successful. So do you think that, that, do you think that people's values change over time? Or do you think that they sort of, you have these root values and they're there your whole life, but maybe they go through different filters. What do you think? Um, I've been chewing on this for myself recently. Yeah. I think, you know, I I never want to say never because I always feel like I'll say, you know, the last job that I was at, I was like, I'm never going to, I'm going to retire here and then look at me now. But, um, (laughs) I think that your values can change. I think especially when you're still trying to figure out who you are. Um, So maybe later in life, they, they won't be as, cause I, you know, I do feel that maybe when I was younger, that prestige and money were Uh very high values and drove everything that I chose to do. And then I realized that that wasn't really true. So I think that there's a process of self-exploration that needs to happen in order to really know what your values are, which is why Mm -hmm. I waited till I was 40 to, tattoo anything on my body. But, um, (laughs) but I think that there are still probably some innate core values that maybe get instilled by, you know, the way that you are raised. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, connection has always been a huge thing in my family, um, and accomplishment, um, short of the money. Like that's the piece that I'm I'm grasping onto. Yes, I want to accomplish, but it doesn't necessarily mean that I need to be a millionaire and that's going to be the result of success. So I, they will evolve over time if, if anything. But recently I was thinking about this idea, this question that I just asked you, because I, I realized that 
the dr main driver for many of my choices um, was one thing, but recently something else has really showed up for me as being hugely important and, and it's becoming a driver. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know it was important. It was a thing I was taking for granted, uh, which is reasonableness. <laughs> mm. And, uh, and because of our current circumstances and everything being sort of heightened and people being driven indoors and over consuming on social media and over consuming on news outlets, because there's, that's all we have right now <laughs> to do. Right. And so what I'm noticing is people's ability to be reasonable with each other is going steadily down. And the yeah. more that happens, the more I'm like, but this is important. And so I'm like, is this a new reactionary thing that I'm valuing? Or is this an underlying value that I never paid attention to before because everybody seemed relatively reasonable? Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like how you deal with health and your finances, right? It's like when, sure. when things are comfortable, then they're good and you don't have any reason to think about it. Um, but then when it's challenged, you know that it is, you know that it's important to you. Like I know financial stability is super important to me and I'm very financially stable right now. So I don't think about it and I don't have it on my arm to say like financial stability is important to me. Yeah. Um, but it, it, it is one of those things where, you know, when our health starts to go sour, then it's like, oh, now we need to pay attention. And I feel like there's a term for that where it's 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 like a negative driving value of, or of some sort maybe that's what it is it's like basic mm -hmm. needs versus like your values like who are you at your core if if life was limitless like what would you need to serve to, to survive whereas yeah, like we all know yeah. as humans um or as people in in this world we we still have to make money those are just kind of like we need to eat food we those are basic things that we all should value or we just don't value being alive so um maybe that's what it is but you should yeah. make up a term for that <laughs> if there isn't one already. <laughs> I'm sure somebody has. This isn't all. This isn't rocket science or or new groundbreaking stuff. But would you, April, please tell us a story from your real life of a moment of pivot or change that you experienced? Yes. So, I this was about six years ago. I was. I woke up in the morning to because I had an interview scheduled to hopefully get a new job because I was not enjoying the job I was in. And before I had to go to the interview, I had to go to the dermatologist, which was an appointment that I had scheduled six months prior because, you know, it's hard to get in with a dermatologist sometimes. So I had to go from the dermatologist straight to my interview. And I hadn't seen my dermatologist in maybe a couple years for whatever reason. Um, she we were catching up and you know I adored her she was looking through my hair which was nothing that she'd ever done before but she you know she's doing a skin check and doing all the, the normal things and having conversation while we were doing it and after that I was telling her how I was excited about this new opportunity and just I was in a very positive zone and then she took a break and stood in front of me and said so tell me about your hair and I was like I'm sorry what <laughs> and she said you don't know what's going on with your hair? And I said, I don't know what you're talking about. She goes, okay, so don't freak out. Which, of course, naturally meant that I was freaking out inside. Yeah, I would freak um, out if someone told me not to freak out. Yeah, so she goes, you've got quite a bald spot on the back of your head. You didn't know that it was there? And I was like, no. Where is it? 
she's like it's right here she she pointed she put my hand back and I felt it and I was like oh okay and she goes are you stressed <laughs> and you know backstory I was definitely stressed I was crying at work every day is not getting along with my boss that I had been working for for three years and knew something needed to change and I was like I, I don't know but I, I was like I guess so she's like okay so I know that you really need to go and I think that the you know what we need to do here is we probably need to give you some scalp injections but we're not going to have time to do that today with you having to go so let's set a schedule an appointment for another time here are some things that you need to do blah 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 hand me this packet and um I was just in shock I think um normally in those times you just you don't know what to do or say I wasn't going to cry but I probably felt like I was going to because it's like, oh my gosh, I, this seems very vain, but like, it's my hair. And my hair was very long at the time. And, you know, she took a picture of it. And this wasn't just like a little bald spot. It was like big as my forehead. It was like the size of a Coke can. And it got wow. worse over time. And so I had to go and practice this confidence that I was like gonna rock this interview which I actually did and I don't know how I did it but I had to basically like shut down that like grieving side of my brain and go into this interview lo and behold you know fast forward a few months later I you know they never got back to me on the job interview and I was just deteriorating more and more and um, that was in November that I found out my hair it kept on growing I told my boss about it everybody in the office knew that I, something was wrong with me and then in January that following year I just did not show up to work um, I didn't show up to work for about eight weeks until I then resigned and um, I quit my job and for the first time in my life I had no idea what I was going to do um, I had been a, a historical career changer. I went from engineering to teaching to um, higher ed to like now having to decide and feeling like I could never go back because, ooh, I took a mental, you know, mental break. <laughs> um, and people are going to look at me differently and, you know, there's something wrong with me or, you know, I wasn't cut out for that. And I had to basically pick up the pieces and re rediscover what I was going to do if I was going to try to go back and have the confidence to you know go back into the work that I was doing that I loved um, but just didn't love the circumstances that I was working under or to start something new again and it took a really big hit to my confidence um, I disconnected from everybody I was probably my lowest point I still cried every day I know that I spent the first two months you know, while I was on the medical leave, just taking my kids to daycare, driving home, laying in bed, binge watching TV until I had to go pick them up. Mm. It was rough, but I had hit my burnout point and, um, you know, something needed to change. So, whoa. Um, thank you. That's super vulnerable as a thick haired woman. I feel like this is one of my worst, like this is a recurring fear I have actually of discovering that I'm losing my hair and mm. you had that experience. Um, but it sounds like there was a little bit of a mind body connection happening. Absolutely. So I was diagnosed with alopecia areata, which is partially, 
um, hereditary. So I knew okay. my dad had it, and but my dad's a guy and he has shorter hair and he was able to, you know, navigate around that. And I had longer hair, so my hair now is actually the longest it's ever been, but let's say it was maybe about down to down to here. So like maybe uh-huh. cut off like two or three inches from where it's at right now. And I had this huge gap in my hair and I was able to cover it most of the time, but I, you know, started putting like wig pieces in to just add more yeah. volume. Um, I was even doing that before I started losing my hair. And that's what I realized that I didn't, um, you know, that, that my hair was thinning and I was too oblivious and too stuck in my own zone to realize that change was happening. So this was this huge wake up call that, Hey, you are burning the candle at both ends. Um, and you are not taking a break. You know, I had worked 13 years straight. I had two kids, two five week maternity leaves, which is like blows my mind that I even said yes to that. Um, (laughs) Because that was how much of a workaholic I was. I loved my job and I didn't want to be a minute away from it, which is just crazy to me right now. Um, but to, to, to value that, to value my job where you're basically replaceable when you're employed with by somebody else. Um, and I, you know, sacrificed the time that I had with my young babies that I'll never get back, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, it was just a real big realization that my priorities were all wrong, which is why the values became such a why that important yeah. um, piece in, you know, in the end, because I think I felt a lot of guilt of, you know, I, I can't, if I leave my job for too long, then they're going to want to replace me or, you know, and these were, these were fears that maybe didn't even have merit, you know, like, oh, but if I take a, a, a break for myself, then people are going to see that I'm lazy when I'm one of the hardest working people that, that many people know, sure. um, but I just felt like I needed to uphold this. Oh, if I don't respond to every email, like within two hours, they're going to think something's wrong with me. It's just right. the crazy <laughs> things that went through my head and you know, my body, thankfully, even though it was a nightmare to have lost my hair. And the first time that my husband was walking behind me and he's like, I can see it. And I was like, no, oh, no. I was like, I can't, I'm going to just put my hair up in a bun now. Granted, it could have been way worse. There's other ways that your body can react, but it was a blessing in disguise because I don't think at the rate that I move or has had historically moved, I still move that way a little bit now, but um, I don't think I would have stopped. I would have kept going. Mm -hmm. Um, So I needed that body signal to tell me, hey, yo, you're, Mm -hmm. you're not doing something right. We're going to so stop ultimately, you. So ultimately, was it this news that led to, were there other factors in choosing to leave that job or was it specifically watching your health decline? I think it was the watching the health decline because here's the thing. I was going in for this interview for this other job. I had already had discussions with my boss about feeling like I didn't, um, you know, that this job wasn't working for me. And I had been working with her in a different capacity for two years prior to this, this new position. So I was like, well, maybe, maybe I've hit my peak and I'm, I'm on the decline now, you know? Mm -hmm. And, uh, so I was already in the, I could have just said, you know, maybe I'm burned out. I just need a break. Um, there was a time where, you know, she told me, she was like, just disconnect from work, come back after a week, you know, when you're back from your vacation, just don't think about work. 
you know, I came back and I was like, I'm ready. And then like within a day I was crying again, then, you know, at my desk. So it was like, I knew that it was something that was deeply rooted that I needed to fix, but I was in denial that, you know, I was like trying to be tough, you know, like I can do this. I I can get over this. Like it is really not as bad as, as I thought it was. And then when the, the hair issue happened, I was like, okay, something needs to happen, but I'm, I'm still like grasping onto the fear of like, you know, if I let, if I let go and I take a break, like, what is everyone going to think about me? And it, that was like the hardest part. Cause it was two months between when I saw my health decline and when I actually did something about it, I literally just called my doctor and I said, I can't go to work. She's like, make an appointment. I was talking to HR and they're just like, it sounds like you need a medical leave. And, you know, I don't want you to think that you're, there's something wrong with you. Cause I know that that's what you're thinking, you know? And that was exactly what I was thinking. I was like, people are going to think like, Ooh, she's a loony, you know? And I didn't want people to think that of me. Like I normally have my stuff together, but at this point, like I knew that crying every day at work did not make any sense. And, you know, after the fact, when I started to finally get the rest that I needed, um, I had friends that were like, I was kind of worried about you and I didn't know what to say because like you look like a walking zombie. Oof. And Oof. I was, you know, I'm a very like uppity person. This is, this is my normal. And they're like, you just like, I don't know. It's just like, you weren't really there. And oh I didn't know what boy, to say. that's intense. But also why wouldn't they, I mean, I, I get not knowing what to say, but I guess that's kind of like a real call to action for humans out there with friends that you're worried about. To, yeah to legitimately check in with your people if yeah. something seems off you got to check check in you do totally do and i you, you know i you now... can do it in a compassionate tender yeah. caring way it doesn't have to be a like girl you look like hell like it can definitely <laughs> be a, a real like you don't seem yourself lately what's going on i think yeah. that that's important Absolutely. And I think that at the time I also didn't have the right support system to like even Mm -hmm. think about those things because it Mm -hmm. was like, you know, suck it up and deal with it. That was the mentality that I surrounded myself with. And so, of course, that was going to be the way that I was going to respond. And then only to realize later that that's not the way to live. (laughs) And I don't, you know, integrate with myself into those situations with those types of people anymore. And my life is much happier. So... Yeah. How long did it take from, because clearly you did reinvent yourself. The end of that story is current, like, I don't know if people registered the introduction that I just gave to you coming onto the show, but you have done lots of things in yeah. between leaving that job and today. Yeah. Um, and all of them in service of your values, in service of helping other people identify there. So you, you've come a long way. Um, yes. How long did it take you from this low moment, this really like, if it was a movie or a book, we would call it the all is lost moment in the story um, mm-hmm. where you're like, I, I can't do this job. My yeah. health is on the down slide. How long did it take you to come back from that moment? So this is an interesting question because... I mean, it took a while in, in April years, right. Or April terms. What, sure, sure, uh, sure. how long did it take me to, you know, cause I, I was definitely doing the binge watching for a number of months, but when yeah. I look back at it now and maybe I'll explain why this happened, um, you know, I was very, very lost. And then I started after about, let's see. So I, you know, left 
I, I started, stopped going to work in January. I ended up actually resigning and, you know, picking up my things in March. So that was an eight weeks of just like doing nothing. There was mm-hmm. a lot of, what are you going to do now? And I'm like, I don't freaking know. And mm-hmm. I don't want you to ask me. Just don't. Cause it was, there was a lot of shame around it. Sure. Um, but when I started to have an inkling of like, maybe what, 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 what could I do? It, this was like May at this point. So it was like January to May that I was finally starting to get some movement. But then when I went from May, so it was May 2015 to like uh, September 20 or April 2017, I was on fire and sometimes in a good way, but in the end, maybe I overdid it. So it was almost taking back the, you know, that fire that I had in my previous life. Like I got so much rest that I was like, let's go. And I was just like, let's do everything. Let's do everything all at once. And I'm going to like, I basically burned myself out a second time, but it was doing what I loved. So it was a very different type of burnout. Um, So when it happened the second time around, I was like, okay, I think I overdid it again. Um, now I need to take my own advice that I was crafting because basically in that time, you know, I was writing my book and I was like, this is the advice that you need to give to April. And I have to read it sometimes to remember like, oh yeah, I forgot. <laughs> I know it. I'm just yeah, not doing yeah, yeah. it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it, it took that long to understand my own story and then put the wisdom to it, but then also make it applicable to not just me, but other people as well. Um, and I wanted to just get all that done because I had so much passion around it, but I was still exhausted. And I think I also realized that because I took so much of a break, um, I had to re readjust to what my threshold was because whatever threshold I hit when I started going bald, I a did not want that to happen again. And B like, I just, that that's higher than where I was allowing myself to go. So I was feeling myself slow down further. And, um, it, it, this whole last five or six years has been this recalibration of like, when am I going to hit my limit and how much can I stay away from that burnout threshold? Because that's when I'll be in the sweet spot. Mm -hmm. And so, um, I think it took only a number of months before I was like back in action and and had an idea of what my new purpose was going to be, which is pretty darn fast when you think about just how long it takes people to figure out what do I want to do in life. And I had just, you know, you know, skipped from three other jobs and now I'm like, I'm going to start my own business. Um, But once I did that. That does seem fast. That may not be everybody's pace. That's okay too. Um, But I also feel like, you know, in hindsight, looking back, I don't know if I could have done it any differently, but I have also realized that, hey, you don't have to work so fast all the time. And I have really slowed everything down in what I'm doing, but I'm noticing that what I am doing is so much more impactful than what I was doing at the beginning of a business. Because, you know, there's that excitement and there's nothing wrong with it. But I think people think that, you know, the harder you work, the more you'll get done. Um, But that's not nearly as true as people might think. I mean, sometimes you can be very intentional and work on one thing and that could be super powerful. And if I would have spread it out over this last five years, I may have not hit that second burnout point. Um, The only thing that wasn't, you know, it wasn't the second burnout point wasn't as bad because at least it was, I was able to tell myself to stop because I was the only one that was 
that had that was making the rules whereas before mm-hmm. it was like i had to let go of all of this other stuff that you know other people are doing there's, there's other people's thoughts and opinions that are coming into play where here it was just like yeah i'm tired i'm going to take a break <laughs> so that seems wise that seems very yeah. wise yeah. um what about what about your hair? Because those who are watching the video version of this podcast, so um, listeners who don't already know that I have a YouTube channel now will know that they could go see this. And those of you who are already watching on YouTube are literally watching this. And we see that you have this long, lovely hair. So um, what was the end of the hair part of the story? Uh, um, I don't think that's still that's ongoing. Ever... I think it's still ongoing, but um, it took... Um, cause after that one bald spot, I maybe had about 50 or 60 different bald patches. So over the course of that rough time, so maybe, you know, over 12 months, I was having, you know, the repercussions of all the stress that was continuing to move through my body, just like little bits and pieces, a lot smaller, but a lot of them. So I was going into the doctor every six weeks, or maybe it was four weeks, every four weeks to get shots in my scalp. I had all of these supplements that I had to take and medications and all of these things. I think it took about two years before I stabilized. And then for a good two years, I had really, really great. um, I I did really, really well. I had one bout of thinning maybe a couple years ago. And then I had my very first like legitimate bald patch during COVID because this time was really really stressful for me because I was just at home and trying to figure out how to keep it together. But I was also holding space for a lot of other people that were struggling. Right. Yeah. Um, And then I was turning 40 and I was going to have to celebrate it in my house with none of my friends and just the, the connection piece, which is one of my values that was being threatened so much. And I was just very sad. Um, and just feeling like, you know, I'm, I'm turning a new decade and, there's, you know, this is how it's going to start just all of these thoughts. And so I had one, it's, I don't know if you can still see it, but it was, I lost it in early May. So it's like right I here. See. Oh yeah. 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 But I was like, I, in, in usually the bald patches show up about a month after the event or the, the, the period of, you know, really low, <laughs> low yeah. points. And then, um, but then I was like, okay, I knew that this was going to happen. I was like, oh, it happened. And then I was like, all right, on the road to recovery, we need to, we need to get ourselves back on track. And, you know, the hair's growing back super fast now because of all of the things that I have done to slow myself down and not sit in that low point for too long. Um, and as wow. long as I do that, then my hair. And so like my hair is the longest it's ever been. I like to say it's like, <laughs> it's, it's more than boob length because it's, it, it is, and I've never had it this long in my life. A lot of times it's been like shoulder length. And when I, um, when I've got my first ball spot, it was maybe like mid chest area. And then yeah. I chopped it because I had to, I needed it to look like it had more body. Um, so I I'll usually tell people that my hair is a, is a signal of my success because if I'm growing it to the point where I don't have to cut it, then I know that I'm managing my stress. And that is the, the best thing that I could do for myself. Cause I can continue to do all the things that I want to do in life. As long as I'm you know, paying attention to my body and taking care of it. And uh, that's incredible. You know, most people don't have um, these sort of, 
all of our bodies do this in different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, you, in a way, it, you mentioned that this was a, a gift um, earlier, and I tend to agree because it's a physical thing you can see that your body is like, hi, pay attention to me. There's some things you need to address. And yeah. I think um, for me, it's my knees and uh, and pain in my knees. And for other people, it's belly fat. And for other people, it's shoulder tension. And for other people, it's digestive issues. It's like our bodies tell us when we are out of whack, when we are out of balance. And mm-hmm. it's super easy to want to ignore these things. And some of these indicators are easier to ignore than others. Um, yeah. But it's fascinating to me how our bodies try and communicate with our brains as if they are separate entities when we're all this unified thing right wandering it, the it planet. is it's absolutely crazy because it's like hey something's going on yeah your body's like i don't feel good i don't i don't know how to uh, <laughs> i yeah. don't know what to so you have to you have to take your brain and your mindset and your heart and you line all the things up you have to attend to that stuff absolutely so listen to your body everybody the lesson is listen to your body. Um, what else do you think is the lesson here? Like if, if you were going to tell people based on your experience, something that you think would help them in processing their own change in life or circumstances, what would you share with people? I think one of the, the biggest things that I really try to make sure that people know first and foremost is that like, you are significant, you matter, you're, you know, you are somebody of value. Um, Because I think a lot of times people think that they're not enough. They're not good looking enough. They're not making enough money. They're not smart enough. They're not, um, you know, they don't have enough friends or, you know, people aren't okay with where they're at. And, and it's hard because there's so much in our society that we have to compare to. And, I think one of the things, and, you know, this is what I have to tell myself all the time is that, you know, I probably care way too, you know, way much more than anybody else does care. Not to say that like people don't care about me, but the things that I'm caring about, right. When it comes down to focusing on what matters. Um, Sometimes when we're so attached to them emotionally, we forget to take a step back and and look back at it. And so, um, you know, I always, like to tell people, you know, give yourself a break from time to time. Like you are allowed to be selfish. If that is not seen as being arrogant or conceited. You are allowed to take breaks. You are allowed to move slow. You know, I think especially with the times of everything that's happened this year, it, you know, when we were forced to move slow, you know, for those <laughs> yeah. people who were like, oh, I got to keep on running, you know, we're not going to let COVID stop me. No, you are allowed to take a break. This is something that none of us have ever experienced before. And we need time to process, Um, you know, because every time you do more, there's going to just be more stuff to do after that. Unfortunately, totally that to do list. Like it's just like your, your email inbox. It's never going to end. So (laughs) why not? cherish the moments that you have of like, oh, I slept in. Don't feel guilty about it. Just be like, oh, I got some extra sleep. Okay. Now I'm going to go and be productive. My dad used to say work, uh, good work gets rewarded with more work. (laughs) How do you find success and balance? 
<laughs> you know, I, people will tell you how to do it, but the reality is that everybody is an individual. You have to find your own balance and your own balance going to be a moving target as you go through life. Exactly. I mean, everybody's got different lives. And so what, it's not a one size fits all model at all. Right. So. Right. Um, well, anything that you want people to know about if people want to find you or you want to, you said you wrote a book. Is that out there? Can people buy that book? I did. It's called Finding Success in Balance. What? Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, that's available on Amazon, both uh, as a paperback and an ebook, or you can listen to my wonderful voice reading you the stories of, of, uh, of transformation and time. No, I'm kidding. Um, to, <laughs> you can, you can get that on audible. That was a really fun project to, to read my own book and be like, Oh yeah, I gotta, I gotta do that again. I forgot I wrote about that. Um, but it's, it's a really exactly what we were just saying where, you know, people struggle with this concept of work-life balance. Some people don't even believe in it. Um, right. but it truly right. live is to work versus work to live, but really trying to find what balance means to you and then operating on that, which hint, hint, spoiler can start with identifying your values and then a whole bunch of other things. And, you know, the big thing that I'm most passionate about is, um, the community that me and, um, Gary Ware, who I believe is also one of your podcast guests, um, yes. we run the accountability success circle, which is a community of positive people who are just looking to, you know, get things done and do it in a fun way. And, you know, we're all adulting. We're all trying to do this thing. We're all trying to juggle, but still make time for the, the fun things. Cause that's the stuff that we like to brag about on social media. So let's make <laughs> more time for that. Um, but really be authentic about it. And, um, making sure that we're we're doing things that matter and that we're focused on our personal growth and sometimes you need the accountability to do that. Um, so that's that's the one thing that I would definitely love anybody who's listening to this um, to check out because it's a great way to interact with me and with Gary as well and just a, a bunch of you know hundreds of other people across the world who are you know in the same place and just trying to live lives that are fun and successful. So. Um, that's the accountability success circle.com. And love uh, it. Yeah. But love those it. two things are good. Well, April, thank you so much. Thank you for sharing your story. Thank Absolutely. you for sharing your thoughts. And I hope people take you up on that offer to check out. Uh, it sounds like an amazing community of people. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. This is so fun. <laughs> you bet. All right. Stay healthy out there. amazing to me how if your mind and heart are listening, your body is already letting you know how things are going in ways that might surprise you. Alopecia areata, the form of hair loss April described as a genetic condition that's triggers appear to be connected in some way to immune function and affects as many as 6.8 million Americans. The hair can grow back and being healthy does seem to make a difference. However, being healthy is something we often talk about in terms of food, sleep, and exercise. I mean, it's like we just don't even want to talk about our feelings. Despite the obvious connection to stress and the numerous studies that connect certain kinds of stress to many kinds of disease, we often leave our mental and emotional health to be attended to last. And that's silly, really, because as many people will attest, when our hearts and minds are balanced in a way that feels healthy and good, it's just so much easier to make choices that serve the overall health of our bodies. So as we work hard, let's also remember to rest well, play often, 
and breathe. If you're interested in picking up a copy of April's book, Finding Success in Balance, you can find it on Amazon, Audible, or purchase it directly at FindingSuccessInBalance.com. As always, you'll find links in the show notes on the website, www.thechangepodcast.com. This show comes to you from the Art of Change Skills for Life. Visit www.artofchange.com to explore how you might grow your communication, collaboration, and leadership skills through workshops, coaching, and more. Plus, you get to work with me. If you're enjoying the show, please help us spread the word by either sharing this episode with a friend or leaving a positive review wherever you subscribe. I'm Aiden Nepom. Thank you for listening to The Change Podcast. I wish you the kind of experiences in life you're excited to tell stories about.